coming up. Most people are really lousy liars. Only about four or five percent of the people, and we've studied quite a number of people, are very good at it. Faces, feelings, and lies. Politeness, flattery, embellishment. You can't play poker without deceiving. Do our micro-expressions betray our lies? The emotions are performed on the stage of identity. You do very well in telling when people are concealing how they feel. Well, what if they're lying about what they did? Can a good liar fool a good lie detector? Oh, a lie detector doesn't detect lies, it detects emotion. Our guest is world-renowned psychologist Paul Ekman. People sometimes ask me, why do you train police? I'd like less mistakes. Recorded in front of a live audience at the Marsh Theater in San Francisco. Faces, feelings, and lies. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. And that's no lie. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. Today we're recording the program in front of a live audience at the Marsh Theater, San Francisco's breeding ground for new performance. Our thinking originates at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. Welcome everyone to Philosophy Talk. Our topic today, faces, feelings, and lies. Well, Ken, I know what a face is, and I'm pretty sure what a lie is, but I'm not so sure about feelings. I mean, is it really feelings that are the issue or emotions? John, I think you're, you must be like in the grip of some philosophical puzzle that you learned from the, age, the old philosophy. Look, we're going to talk about how people can read emotions from the face. We all know what an emotion is. It's a feeling. I mean, think of anger. Anger is an emotion, but it's also a feeling. Pride is an emotion, and it's also a feeling. I mean, well, what's bugging you about that? Well, I don't think it's quite that simple. I mean, when I say feeling, I mean the inner experience we have in various situations, including when we have emotions. But there's more to an emotion than the inner feeling. Usually they have a cognitive element. You mean like if you're angry, you're angry about something. I mean, if you carelessly spill coffee on me again, I would have a feeling, <laughs> I would have a feeling of anger, but it would be anger at you for spilling the coffee or being careless or something like that. The emotion is this complex thing. It involves both the feeling and this belief that, that it gives rise to and sustains that feeling. Well, I mean, that's the way many philosophers look at it, and it seems right to me. Sometimes we do feel anger, but we don't know what we're angry about. That's not all that uncommon, but doesn't strike, it strikes us as a little bit odd. We say, well, I, I mean, angry, but I, it, it's odd. I don't know what I'm angry about. Yeah, yeah. I, the, the, your favorite philosopher, David Hume, thought, he thought that the very same inner feeling, this, this feeling, could be connected with different emotions. So that makes emotions really complex. Now, now Hume had an interesting theory. Let's take you, for example. Pretty soon you're going to finish this book you've been working on since, I don't know, Ooh, since yeah. I've known you yeah. on norms. Right, someday. Let's assume, I'm sh which is true, I'm sure, that it will be an excellent book. You will feel proud of it. That's an emotion. You'll feel proud of it. Now, Hume would say, well, you've got to distinguish between the cause of the pride, that's the excellence of the book, the object of the pride, that's you, because you wrote it, and the feeling, the feeling is pleasure. But now, compare that to another emotion, the esteem you feel for me. Uh, uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, now the cause of that emotion is my intelligence and wit, <laughs> right? So I'm the cause, my intelligence and wit, and I'm the object. But the feeling is basically the same pleasure, same feeling, yeah. pride when it's about yeah, you, yeah, esteem yeah. when it's for me. You, you, yeah, yeah, John, I think maybe you don't have that quite right. But think about the anger I had for you <laughs> when you carelessly spilled coffee on me. What, what about that? Well, I mean, Hume, Hume, that was one of Hume's favorite examples. So in the anger case, the cause is my spilling coffee. The object is me. That's who you're angry at. And the feeling is displeasure. If you spilled coffee on yourself, and I'm sure that happens too, that would be the cause. The object would be you and not me, and the feeling would be displeasure, same feeling, but the emotion would be humiliation, not anger. Yeah, there, there you go. Now look, I, I, I get your point. I don't suppose Hume has the last word on emotions. I mean, there's lots <laughs> after today. Hume. But, but look, but I like this framework. It's a useful framework. We got cause, object, and feeling. That seems like a useful framework. And maybe that framework explains why it can be so hard to tell what emotion another person is having. I mean, you have to know what they're feeling you know, whether it's pleasure or displeasure, who it's directed at, the optic, then you have to know the cause. So, of course, it's going to be very hard to interpret emotions. That's where faces come in in our title. We are, in fact, very good at detecting other people's emotions. I mean, we as a species, not meaning all of us or most of us most of the time, but some of us that put our minds to it can do it very well. Matter of fact, you may be better at detecting other people's emotions than your own. And it has to do with faces, faces of the mirror of the soul, as Wittgenstein said. And today, our guest is the world's foremost authority on faces and emotions, San Francisco's very own Paul Ekman. You know, this is really fascinating stuff, because emotions are, as we say, complex. But we, we do do this thing, and which raises the question, if what you're saying is right, why do we have all this elaborate equipment, say, like lie detectors, if we can just look at faces and tell what's going on? I mean, and come to think of it, rather than have me strip or x-ray me, why can't the security people at airports just ask me, are you planning to blow up this plane? Well, if we could put Paul Ekman at every airport and talk to every passenger, that might work. But I don't know to what extent that's exportable, but that's a question we're going to put to our guest. And we'll want our live audience here at the Marsh to join in the conversations with questions and comments, too. We'll soon learn how psychologists can interpret facial expressions and detect lies. But first, our roving philosophical reporter, Andy McDaniel, introduces us to someone who studies how artists look at faces. She files this report. So first I want to give you some stuff just to loosen you up a little bit, just physically. So, um, Kay Kostopoulos is leading a group of Stanford psychology students through a series of exercises. This is not only to warm you up, but it's also to get your breath into your body. First they jump up and down. Then they loosen their neck muscles by rolling their heads from side to side. But Kostopoulos isn't a yoga teacher, or a psychology teacher for that matter. She's an actor. Actors are different than other people because we pay more attention to things, or we're supposed to pay more attention to things than other people do. Kostopoulos was hired by David Wilkins, a faculty member at Stanford who teaches a class on facial emotions. If we think about trying to understand what goes on in the face, uh, for centuries and centuries, artists have been preeminent. You know, the types of portraits we've seen, uh, acting on the stage, they just are extremely good at conveying emotional state. Wilkins isn't interested in understanding the face so he can tell whether someone is lying. What he wants to do is figure out who knows the face best, psychologists or artists and actors. Uh, artists are very individualistic type people, and the fact that they would 
all be using the same technique for so many centuries suggests there might be something really important there. It's really trying to understand the power of the training methods they use to see what goes on in the face. One of the first things Kay Kostopoulos teaches students about facial expressions is that you can't fake it. There's a difference between striking your muscles to produce an emotion or having an emotional memory that makes the face move in a certain way. Kostopoulos is referring to method acting, the technique actors use of conjuring up an intense memory to inspire their face and body to convey a particular emotion. She had to use this approach when modeling for another part of Wilkins' class, in which he has an artist teach students how to draw faces using Kostopoulos as a model. I actually used some of my actor technique going back to a real emotion, a real event that happened to me. And once I brought that up, it, my face just went into those positions. I didn't have to think about, oh no, I have to raise my eyebrow or, you know, I have to pout. Clearly the fields of psychology, art, and acting have a lot to teach each other. But in the meantime, Kay Kostopoulos believes that good actors will always be experts in some areas. The eyes and what the eyes reveal, where the focus is, whether you're looking into someone's eyes or you look away or you blink or you look down or you look up, where do the eyes go? So if you're trying to get away with something, you should probably just wear sunglasses. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Andy McDaniel. You can listen to the rest of this episode by purchasing it on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, subscribe to our archive at philosophytalk.org.